Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi there, I'm Toshi and welcome back to Sex in Space. We're here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. I hope everyone out there is doing brilliantly. Whether you're a first-time explorer or you're a more seasoned traveller who's tuned into our podcasts many times before, we're delighted to have you with us. If you're tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other platform, we sincerely thank you for joining us. Don't forget to show your support by liking, rating and subscribing. You can also find more great Sex and Space content over on TikTok and Instagram. Just search for us using our handle at sexandspace.com. That's sexandspace, D-O-T-C-O-M. We always love hearing from our listeners and engaging with our community. Your feedback means the world to us. And we're all on this journey together. So please feel free to reach out in any way that you like. Now let's get into an awesome interview. I was lucky enough to speak with Vixen Temple, who is so incredibly multi-talented, I have to give you her complete bio. Vixen is a sex worker, a takatapui performance artist, a writer, a poet, a sex witch, sex work activist, and a fellow podcast host. We're delighted to have her join us to talk about just a fraction of the work that she's doing. And given who we are, that'll be focusing on sex. Let's get started. Kia ora, tenakwe. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on your show. It's so lovely to have you. Um, thank you for joining us. So I thought I would start by asking you um, how you got into sex work. Well, my sex work journey began... In my final year of university, essentially a year earlier, it was 2018. So Mm. in 2017, I had been diagnosed with celiac disease and I was really struggling to afford my groceries because gluten-free groceries are really expensive. Mm. So fast forward to 2018, it's my final year of uni. I'm studying full-time, working part-time. I have a student allowance, student benefit, and a part-time job, and I'm still struggling to afford my groceries at the end of paying my bills. I have very little money left over for groceries, let alone just to be able to spend on myself. I'm a Leo son. I like to splurge and treat myself sometimes, (laughs) and I was struggling to do that. So I had a dream one night because I had an Instagram at the time that I posted a lot of cosplays to, and I was constantly having men messaging me saying, you know, how much for a nude photo? And I, 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 it wasn't that I was against doing that. I, I don't know why it took me so long to suddenly wake up one day and go, I could actually lean into that. But I remember very specifically, it was around the start of 2018, the start of my last year of uni. I had a dream where I put up on my story and said, okay, here's my PayPal. Send me money and I will add you to a Snapchat where I'll post weekly nudes and cosplay strips. And I woke up the next day and was like, yeah, let's just try that. You know, I dreamt it. It was such a a vivid dream that I woke up the next morning being like, was that real? No, it wasn't, but I should make it real. So I did. And this was pre-online censorship. I just put up an Instagram story, a link to my PayPal. And I said, "Um, yeah, send me $50. I'll add you to a 
Snapchat and I'll do weekly strip shows. Mm. And again, this was pre-censorship, so I wouldn't recommend using PayPal now. They're very anti-sex work. But this was pre-online censorship when it was a lot more accessible to just make money doing online sex work. And then from there, a few months after I started that endeavor, online censorship came in, Foster Sister was implemented. So that impacted my ability to be able to advertise myself online. I lost access to being able to get payments through PayPal. It was becoming really frustrating. And so I started working in strip clubs. And then from there, I just sort of started doing the rest after that. I did sugar dating, sugar babying for a while. Um, That was probably the hardest form of sex work I've done. And Mm. now I do full service because I stopped stripping about two years ago due to the stress of COVID managers started just abusing us a lot worse than they were before so I stopped stripping and now I'm working full service and that's my story (laughs) I wanted to ask you what you love or what you really enjoy about this job so again I want to specify I can only speak to my experience with Mm. sex work so if people disagree with this that's okay but with my lived experience as a sex worker in a country where it's decriminalized for citizens I am a woman with many disabilities and it impacts my ability to hold down a nine to five job. And that is extremely infantilizing. It's, it's humiliating that I cannot, I, I've worked many industries. I've worked as an assistant store manager. I've worked as a librarian. I've worked in, in retail and in hospitality. And I've really struggled in those jobs. And I genuinely over time started to think that I was stupid, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm never going to be able to support myself. I'm never going to be financially independent because I can't work a normal job and I've been on the benefit because of it. But sex work is the first and only industry where I've been able to support myself financially. It has granted me so much independence. I'm able to choose my own hours. I'm able to, there's no limit to my earning potential because I'm an independent contractor. I choose my own hours. I can make, you know, it does come with the downside. Like I don't mean to glamorize it. Like there are some weeks that I don't make as much money and that can be stressful. But for me, I am an autonomous woman. If I wanted to go work a normal job, I could, but I don't want to because normal jobs make me miserable. They make me, they really cause a lot of stress in my life. Why would I work 30 hours a week when I can work as a sex worker, I work maybe you know two, three shifts a week. I make what I used to earn in a full-time job. I have more time abundance. I have more time to invest in my other areas of life that I care about, my friends, my community, my whānau, my activism, my writing, my performing. I love being a sex worker. I am proud to be a sex worker. And no one can take that away from me. And people try to, but it's not their right to. They can fuck off with that bullshit. I am proud of my job. I am proud of the life that I've created of myself because of this job. And anyone that says that I shouldn't be, they they don't know me. They don't get to talk that for me. They don't get to say that for me. And what would you say is maybe the biggest challenge that you face um, in your job? For me specifically, it's the social stigma. It's the negative stigma because while sex work is decriminalized in Aotearoa, it does help to destigmatize it, but because of whorephobia, because of patriarchy, because of colonialism, stigma still exists. And it's something that has resulted in me not being able to receive a fair trial when I have tried to take a client to court for sexually assaulting me. 
um, that stigma that my job, you know, I'm quote unquote asking for it meant that I was not given a fair trial. I had to skip the trial because went straight to a sentencing hearing because the Crown advised me, you know, while the evidence is so stacked in your favour, a jury will likely take one look at your job and go, yeah, but she's a stripper, so she was asking for it. Um, the social stigma of, you know, I've seen a lot of friends of mine be disowned by their family once they're outed as sex workers. I see people who divorce uh, abusive husbands and the husbands go to court and they use their, their girlfriend's job as a sex worker to take their ch children off them and get full custody, even though the dad's the abusive one. But, you know, the mum's a sex worker, so that kid's safer with an abusive dad than a sex worker mother. Social stigma kills. Mm. And I need people to understand that anytime you make a joke at a sex worker's expense, you are feeding, you are fueling that rhetoric that gets us killed, it gets us abused, it gets us put into really dangerous situations. A big issue that we have here in Aotearoa is unfortunately migrant sex work is still criminalized. So when migrants come here and, you know, it's expensive to move to Aotearoa, they want to work sex work to be able to pay for their immigration fees it's expensive to immigrate to another country and they're not able to do that and they risk being deported if you know a client they're seeing a client the client abuses them they can't take that to the police because they'll get deported it's and a lot of that comes from stigma a lot of that comes from the correlation between sex trafficking and sex work and you spoke about the sort of the social stigma and i was wondering how your your friends and your family respond to you um in in the job that you're in i have been very privileged, very fortunate in my experience. And it makes me sad because for a long time, I kept it from my family because I assumed because of what I'd seen happen to my friends and just my understanding of the world, I projected that onto my family and I assumed they'll do the same to me. When I first started stripping, my high school friends stopped talking to me. And so that was horrible. That was a really horrible experience that taught me that civilians won't support me. My only friends will be with other sex workers. So for a long time, I stuck with sex workers and I didn't let civilians in because I assumed that they would project onto me and they would hate me for my job. Um, but I'm very lucky because I, I exist in a very, very beautiful bubble of, I'm a performance artist, I'm an activist, so I'm surrounded by queer, neurodiverse goats. I'm surrounded by other people that are challenging societal norms. So whether they're a sex worker or not, they respect me because they see through the lens of the world and understand that sex workers are human beings too. So over time, I've befriended civilians that really love what I do. And then in terms of my family, so the first family member I told was my sister. And that was the day that I um, emailed the strip club and said, I want a job there. Mm. I told my mother, I said, Oh mom, I'm going to, I'm going to do a trial shift as a bar person at the strip club. And then I went into the kitchen and I said to my sister, I'm actually going to be a stripper. And she was like, yeah, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And good luck, you know, <laughs> whatever. And it, it took, I think, I think it was a year and a half into my stripping career where I realized that this is something I want to do long term and that I need to tell my mother because my mother is my best friend. Mm. So I sat her down one day and I said, Mom, I'm so sorry I lied to you. I'm not a bar person. I'm actually a stripper. And oh my God, I thought she was going to be furious at me. Not that I'm a stripper, but that I lied to her. But she just sat, she just sat there and she was like, I know. <laughs> I knew. I've seen you pole dance. I, I, I know what you're like. You've always been a very sexually, or I don't know, like not sexual. She just said, I've always been 
what is it she said that I've always just been a very autonomous person and that she really is proud of the fact that I'm I'm not bothered by nudity and that I'm very sexually liberated so she was proud of me but I didn't tell any other family members mm. beyond that because I mean my mum said that too she was like maybe don't tell the rest of the family I was like yeah cool whatever but then over time like my cousins started following my activist page and they'd message my mum and be like oh my god look at what she's up to that's so cool and then it wasn't until about two weeks back I attended the Aotearoa Sex Workers Collective, Hui, we hosted for the 20 years of decriminalization of Aotearoa sex work. And at that Hui, I did a lot of media. I went on the AM show with Dame Catherine Healy, and I was on Māori television with Moana. That was so cool. Wow. And I was also on, like, I think News Hub News. I was on, like, the 6 o'clock news talking about being a sex worker. And my mum said that my granddad messaged her and said, I just saw Vixen on the the news. I'm so proud of her. Isn't she amazing? And then I texted my granddad saying, oh, my God, I heard that you just saw me on the news. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that you support me. Thank you. And my nana had passed away last year. And he texted back and he said, of course, you've always been a very good speaker. You're, you're very amazing. And your nana would be so proud of you. And I'm um, yeah. sorry. That just really meant the world to me because... I remember when my nana died. Oh, this is horrible to say, but I felt this relief that she died and she never knew that I was a sex worker. And now I have so much regret and I wish I'd told her because my granddad said she'd be proud. My granddad is proud. Mm. And now, yeah, my mum said that, you know, so many of my family members were messaging her saying, we just saw Vixen on the news. We're so proud of her. Um, so for years, I projected onto my family. I thought they would hate me and they, they don't. They, they love me. Mm. This is my mother's side of the family, at least. Um, I cut my dad out of my life a year ago, so I don't know what his side of the family thinks, but my mother's side of the family supports me, and it's just so healing because for so long I've projected that they would hate me, and it, quite the opposite. Yeah. Not only do they support me, but they're proud of me, yeah. and they're, they're, they're proud to see the work I'm doing. So, again, I've been very privileged with that experience because there's so many people out there that don't have that. Their families cut them off, and that... That is nothing short of traumatizing. So, um, yeah, I love my family yeah. and they, they, they love me. And that means the world to me. <laughs> that sounds lovely how supportive they are and like how excited they were to see you on the news. That's just that's fantastic. I wanted to ask you as well, for anyone who is just starting out in sex work or is maybe thinking about starting out, what advice would you have for them? I say community is very important um making sure that again especially if you believe that your family as if it's not something you feel like you can tell your family or your immediate friends when you enter sex work make friends with other sex workers um i say if you're entering the industry there's a lot of really good content on the internet that sex workers are making with good tips and tricks and advice free content too there are some sex workers out there that put safety tricks behind a paywall and I don't know how I feel about that that there's some ethics behind that that I don't quite agree with um so there's a lot of really good free content out there when I started stripping I watched a lot of stripper vlogs that gave some really good tips and tricks um the biggest thing I'm going to say to sex workers regardless of what industry it is you enter whether it's online whether it's stripping it's camming it's it's doming it's full service it's sugar dating please remember that our clients are not purchasing our consent they're purchasing our time and especially here in Aotearoa as a sex worker you can legally revoke your consent at any given time of that booking and if they don't respect it it's a criminal offense they have not purchased your consent they have purchased your time 
but you are still allowed to cut that time short if they are making you uncomfortable, if they are just respecting your boundaries. Remember that you hold the power. You are the sex worker. Do not let anyone manipulate your boundaries. Decide what your boundaries are and stick to them. Don't let them push you just because they're paying you. They don't have the power because they have the money. They think they do, but they come to us. We have the power. So that's the advice I want to give. And then, yeah, beyond that, just making sure that you are staying involved with the community. Dude, being a sex worker can be a very ostracizing and isolating experience being a sex worker in a whorephobic society. So mm. find your community, find your whanau, and stick with them. Do you think that maybe you could um, elaborate a little bit on what it means to be a sex work activist? So for me, my sex work activist career started really accidentally. It was 2019, so the year after I entered sex work. I was a few months into my stripping career. I had been a sugar baby and I had a really horrible experience with a sugar daddy. And one day I just wrote a blog post about it because I'm a writer and writing is how I really make sense of things and that experience had been quite quite awful quite he was a gross sleazy he wasn't really a sugar daddy he was just a man taking advantage of a, of a situation and I wanted to reclaim the narrative over the situation so I wrote the story and then I read it and I thought I think this would make a good blog post so I made a blog posted it to the internet I made a separate Instagram to promote that blog because my Instagram, I couldn't post links to because I was shadow banned. So I had to make a separate Instagram and that, that blog kind of blew up a little, like it got shared all over the world. And I had sugar babies all over the world messaging me saying, you know, thank you for your blog. Cause I spoke about how being a sugar baby is really hard work and that it's not easy at all. It's really hard work. And a lot of sugar babies, it just really resonated with them. And so I started writing more blogs about my experiences stripping or my experiences doing online sex work. I was just really speaking to my experience and it resonated with sex workers, but it also spoke to civilians and civilian is sex work slang for people that don't work in the sex work industry. I was getting messages every day on my Vixen Temple blog, Instagram, as over time it started, you know, getting more shares and getting more followers. I was constantly getting messages from civilians saying, man, I used to think that sex workers were trash and scum, but now I realize that y'all are just human beings. So I had this realization one day that by me just talking about my lived experience, it was humanizing sex workers to a lot of people. And so I kept doing that. And over time I started posting little videos to my Instagram or like little slideshow graph infographics just about how to be an ally, how to support the sex work community. Um, I would unpack systematic issues that sex workers faced. And it's probably just my ADHD justice and sensitivity. But when I see an injustice, I can't just not do something about it. I have to, I have to do something, whether it's talk about it, whether it's write about it, whether it's research it so that I understand it from a multiple perspective so that I can educate people on it. And so over time, as I said, my Instagram gathered quite a large audience, but then I got deplatformed and I thought about throwing in the towel and giving up, but I didn't want to because that would be letting them win. So over time, through that activism, I've been invited on to speak on a variety of webinars and podcasts and media outlets to talk about issues that sex workers are experiencing. Um, I've since joined the Aotearoa Sex Workers Collective. I'm a board member of them, formerly known as New Zealand Prostitutes Collective. I was invited to join the board of Strippers United. They're an LA-based strippers union. 
And now I'm working with Fired Up Stilettos. They're an Aotearoa-based strippers collective. Mm. And I'm just really honoured because for a long time my activism was something I did on my own. And that was cool. That was really good growth for me. But now it means the world to me to be a part of other community and organisations because there's strength in numbers, there's strength in community. And the more that I join forces with others, the more of a strong, systematic just impact I'm able to make. I've now spoken at Parliament. I've protested at Parliament. I've really, I've really gone out there and done the mahi. And a lot of that has been because I just spoke so fiercely, so authentically and so unapologetically about an industry that people are curious by. The more I talked about it, the more people wanted to know more. And through that, I like to think that I've helped to humanize sex workers. I've helped to educate civilians on issues that they may have wanted to know but didn't know how to ask. And so that for me is what being a sex work activist has looked like, but that's my experience. It's been through writing, it's been through speaking truth to my lived experiences. And I've just learned that there's so much power in that. As I keep saying, your voice is a powerful tool. Use it whenever you can. Mm. And in terms of thinking about what you want to see change, what is your biggest ambition uh, or biggest goal that you have for your, for your activism? Oh, that's a big question because I have so many different goals. But at, at the moment, I think a big priority of mine with Fired Up Stilettos is focusing on making sure that strip club managers aren't taking more of a percentage of our earnings than they should be. A lot of that has stemmed from COVID. It's put a lot of pressure on strip club managers. They lost a lot of money. So now they're becoming greedy and they're stealing from the strippers, the workers, the people that are making the money. They're increasing the rates of dancers and increasing the cut that they take. And so that's a big priority of mine at the moment is to, we're seeing this happen all over the world. There are stripper collectives and, and unions and organizations popping up all over the world. And that's a priority of mine at the moment. A, a long-term goal I have is, you know, seeing strip clubs owned and operated by strippers, owned and operated by queer strippers, by strippers of color, by people who have lived experiences in this industry. Because at the moment we're seeing too many strip clubs managed and owned by men, cis hetero white men that have no place in business. You know, they have no lived experience in the industry. They don't really know what it means to look after their employees properly. They're, not their employees, sorry, their independent contractors properly. So my long-term goal is I'd love to see a, a queer strip club owned and operated by queer strippers, especially queer strippers, disabled strippers of color. We, we need more diversity in the industry. We need to push back against these white supremacist, colonial, patriarchal values that get pushed by our managers, by our oppressors. And, and what sort of responses have you found from people to, to your activism? There's been a mix of positive and negative, and I try to focus on the positive, but mm. especially early on in my activist career, back especially when I was sort of doing it on my own, running, running my own Instagram account, um, my mental health really wasn't good because I, I, tend, I tended to focus on the negative. And I'd get a lot of really horrible messages from you know, men saying really vulgar things that they'd like to do to me to shut me up. I had a lot of women swerve, sex work, exclusionary, radical feminists, you know, just say horrible things to me. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, a, I'm the, the structure of feminism. I'm pushing feminism back, things like that. Um, I also even had some sex workers, you know, getting into my DMs saying like, like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It's been a weird 
I think it's something I've come to realize that when you're someone that is challenging norms, it can make people uncomfortable because it causes them to have to stop and reflect on the way that they have perhaps endured abuse in their life. And I think people get confronted by people like me who are speaking so candidly and, dare I say, insightfully and fully educated on topics that are confronting and they're not easy conversations to have. So now to focus on the positives, it's the thing that keeps me going in moments where, you know, I think, do I sound like a broken record? Am I just preaching to no one? Does, does anyone actually care about what I'm saying? I get messages every day from people saying to me that they enjoy following me because I do make them reflect and I do cause them to sit with things that they haven't really. One of my favorite messages to get from people is that they really appreciate that I make nuanced topics accessible and I talk about it in a way that they can understand and they can go oh wow I didn't look at it like that thank you for making it out like that that's really helpful so to anyone that's ever messaged me you know I don't respond to all messages because it would it would take up a lot of my time but I do get a lot of really beautiful messages from people saying really lovely things to me about how my activism has helped them be proud of being a sex worker or if they're a sex work ally, it helps them confront their whore phobia. And to those people, I just want you to know, like, you keep me going in moments where I think I should just throw in the towel and give up because who even cares? Like, like I'm just, I'm just fighting a winless battle. Like, no, those messages really give me hope. So originally, you know, a lot of, I had to combat a lot of negativity, but I think over time, I just pushed through that and now I've weeded out the bad and now it's all positive messages. And I just, again, I just can't thank people enough for their support because it's one thing for me to do this on my own, but I really, we really need allies to, to advocate not for us, but with us. Mm. And on that note, if, if there are people at home listening who are wondering what they can do, what practical things they can do to be an ally, what advice would you have for them? Hell yeah. I think the best advice for people that want to be a sex work ally is to follow sex work activists, follow sex workers in general. Um, there's a lot of really, if you want to follow my Instagram at vixentemple.666, I'm constantly posting pages to my story. It's great sex work resources of other activist groups that you can follow. Um, I think it's also just, yeah, listening to sex workers, consuming our content, not just activists, but just sex workers that are just going about their lives. It's really just seeing sex workers as human beings. And I know that may say, sound simple, but we, we've got to understand that we live in a society that is so whorephobic that we have been taught to see sex workers, especially when they're women, as either victims of the male gaze or, you know, husband-stealing, gold-digging harlots. We're victims or villains when really we're just human beings trying to survive capitalism. So I think listening to the voices of sex workers, especially the most marginalized sex workers, that's trans sex workers of color, that's disabled sex workers, that's sex workers, you know, it's, it's very well and good for you to listen to me as a thin Pākehā presenting cis sex worker, but I can only speak to so much, uh, you know, marginalization through my lived experience. I think it's really important that you listen to the most marginalized groups within marginalized communities and, yeah, that's probably the best advice I'd say I have at the moment. And where where are you? Um, where are your, where are your next upcoming shows? And where where can people support you and find you? 
So I am based in Te Whanganui Atara in Wellington. I'm competing in the Andy pageant this October at Ivy Bar. That's um, Amy Thirst Productions. It's finding the drag monster. It's like a pageant, but it's for the alternative performers. Um, I've got a few drag shows booked. I've got some burlesque shows coming up. I um, hopefully we'll get books for some more Halloween shows because Halloween's my favorite time. Yeah, and that's when <laughs> I really like to be performing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check me out on Instagram. That's usually where I post all of my upcoming shows. I have a gig story highlight where you can go under and see where I'll be performing next and how to get tickets. You can check out me at vixentemple.666 on Instagram. I am shadow banned, so you will likely have to search up my full name. I also have a Twitter at vixentemple blog. And my link in my bio is my link tree, and it will take you to my published writing. On my Instagram is where I advertise when I will be doing shows. A lot of my performance art, I do focus on patriarchal trauma and it can be quite confronting. It can be quite a visceral experience, but that's what art is meant to do. It's meant to evoke a strong reaction in people to inspire change and growth. So my performance art focuses a lot on that and my writing focuses a lot on that too. So if you want to challenge your way of thinking, check me out at Instagram and Twitter. Check out my link tree, read my writing and come along to one of my shows. I would love to meet you. Come up and say hi. I really like connecting with people. Come, come say hi. Awesome. I do drag, drag king, drag queen, drag creature. I do burlesque. I do performance art. I do poetry. I do a little bit of all. It's my it's my ADHD. I I, I do everything. Yeah. I do everything because I want to do everything. <laughs> Not focusing on one thing. Got to have like eggs and many many baskets. <laughs> For sure. I don't know how to focus on just one thing. I'm an overachiever. I need to focus on all the things. <laughs> now, one other thing I wanted to ask for all the curious people out there. Um, because I noticed in your Instagram bio, you describe yourself as a sex witch. So could you think you yeah. could explain what that means? So I work with sexual energy in order to, if you look at magic as being working with elements and intention to create and set a desired outcome, sex magic is working with sexual energy and intention to create a desired outcome. So when I masturbate, I... I use my, I'm a very visual person. I can vision something in my head that I want to bring into the physical world. And when I masturbate, especially when I climax, I'm calling, I'm releasing that and calling that in through that energy. Um, through sex magic, I've performed a lot of love spells on myself. I've, I've married myself, you know. I, 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 at the end of the day, view myself as my partner, my life partner. And it's very much, especially I think being a woman, an AFAB person, it's, sex magic has taught me to see myself as magic and to know that the answers aren't, you know, a lot of Christian religions teach you that the answers, you've got to look outwards. You've got to look for external validation and an external way of living life. Sex magic and just witchcraft in general teaches you to look within. And sex magic has really granted me that independence to know that I already have all the tools that I need within myself to achieve my goals and dreams and to turn my desires and bring them into the physical world. And I've been identifying as a sex witch for the past few years. I first heard the term from Gabriella Herstic, who was this amazing LA-based sex witch. She's amazing. Check her out on Instagram. I actually did an interview with her for one of my articles, if you'd like to read that. But um, I've been a sex witch, I think, my whole life. I've been masturbating from a very young age. I, I was very little, and I used to masturbate, and I'd make wishes and some of them would come true. So I've been a sex witch from, from a very long time. Yeah. There was a word for it. So on our podcast, we have quite a few offshore listeners. And so if anyone who doesn't know what the term takatapui means, do you think you could sort of unpack that for them as well? Yes. Well, takatapui is 
it's a Māori term of anyone that falls under the queer umbrella and it really is what it means to you. It's pretty much just existing outside of this two-gender heteronormative colonial binary. For me, I identify as takatāpui because I am attracted to anyone, regardless of their genitals. You know, I'm, I'm attracted to people, to essence, to waiora, to mana, to taira. That's what I am attracted to. And I am non-monogamous, so that is going against the norm of monogamy. Um, for some people, takatāpui could be being non-binary. It can mean being trans. It's just anything that exists outside of this heteronormative two-gender binary. Mm. And specifically for people that identify as whakapapa Māori, it's to be takatāpui, it's to be whānau, it's to be a part of a... It's to be Māori, it's to be in a community that existed, you know, despite what the colonisers would have you say, we've existed before that, we existed pre-colonisation, and they came along and they tried to censor that and erase that, but takatāpui have existed, always have, always will. I think that we could not end it on a better note than that. So um, thank you so much, Jackson, for joining us on the Sex and Space podcast. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Me. It's been amazing to speak with you. Um, and to all our listeners out there, make sure to go and check her out on Instagram so you can see what she's doing. You can find some more resources. You can learn about sex magic. So it's vixentemple.666. Correct. Amazing. Thank you all for listening. Aroha nui. We really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you want to check out what Vixen's up to, you can find her on Instagram at at vixentemple.666. Before we sign off, we want to remind you to check out our book, available at sexandspace.com forward slash book, or simply search for The Organ Education Forgot on Amazon. We also have a downloadable PDF version available for The Shire Amongst Us, which is eight New Zealand dollars, and you can also find that on our website. Don't forget to leave a like, follow, comment or review wherever you're tuning in from. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, safe travels and see you on the next episode.